How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are locked on Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. I am Anthony Irwin. I am back from the Lakers game that I attended tonight. Uh, it was a really fun one. It was it was kind of the exact thing that you want to watch. All the, the Lakers that you care about played well. Uh, Tyler Ennis came through in the tank clutch. We'll get to that stuff in a second. Before we do that, today's show is brought to you by SeatGeek. Use that promo code uh, LOLakers to get your $20 rebate on the first purchase using the application. You can always find our show on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, TuneIn, Stitcher, and today's Fast Break. I am joined today for the first time in a little bit by Harrison Fagan. Harrison, uh, you manned the fort. You 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 were on the tweets and everything tonight. Uh, how how did the game treat you? It was a good game. It was one of the few ones in a while that I've actually kind of enjoyed watching. I mean, most of the games lately have kind of been these blowouts that aren't a whole lot of they they aren't very aesthetically pleasing and there's not a whole lot of positives to watch for and it's just bad basketball as this team kind of trudges towards another poor record but yeah. tonight it wasn't that there was a lot of fun stuff the, the Lakers went insane in the third quarter and I thought it was a really fun game to watch and like you said it's exactly the type of game that pro tankers should kind of want because the young guys showed a lot of promise but the Lakers still managed to lose shout out to Tyler Ennis. He might actually be the worst Laker I've ever seen play basketball. I don't know if I'm willing to go that far but I think it is telling that he was a negative 24 and plus minus tonight and the Lakers, they lost by they lost by wow, I'm really bad at math. They lost by 11, and Larry Nance Jr. was a negative 17, which is surprising. But otherwise, those were the only two Lakers with double digit negative plus minus. Wow, minus 24, minus 24. Like that's just that's MVP of the tanking. Like that's the most valuable tanker that we'll probably see all season yeah he he was pretty what was funny was i was getting i was getting pushback on silver screen and roll when i said tyler i said tyler ennis is proving my theory that if you wear a t-shirt under your jersey you can't be that good (laughs) and and some people were like have you not watched the whole game they're like were you have you not seen Lonzo Ball? Which like okay, the second one has more validity than the first one. Like he Tyler Ennis played pretty well to start the game, 
But, I, I mean, it just – the T-shirt took a little bit to kick in. But in the fourth quarter, he was truly pretty abysmal. He missed all four of his shots, and I'm honestly surprised he didn't take eight shots and miss eight shots just from watching the game in the eye test. And, yeah, he was just really bad, not good defensively, clanking away on offense. And, I, again, I don't know if I'm willing to say he's the worst Laker I've ever seen, but he's definitely the worst Laker we've watched this year. Okay. All right. So, which is saying something because Marcelo Huertas was on the team. Yeah. So, all right. I'll, I'll. Here's what frustrated me the most about watching Ennis play tonight, and this kind of extends out to the rest of the team and to what they do when they are playing at their best. Luke Walton has talked a lot about playing with pace, getting up and down the court. You know, trying to catch defenses off guard. Their their half court offense simply is not good enough to to beat opposing defenses when they get set up anywhere near consistently so what was kind of frustrating while I was watching the game tonight was how often you know the ball would get outleted to Ennis and he would raise his hand up to call some new plays call some new set and everybody in the arena is sitting there like just go just freaking you saw other Lakers it's this is something that you don't necessarily see on TV because you kind of, the the camera's always focused on the ball for the most part, but multiple times tonight, Ennis would be walking the ball up the court, and everybody would be down the court, and they'd be like waving at him, you know, get the damn ball down the court, and and he's a Syracuse guy, so his defense is already going to suffer because Bayheim's a coward and plays a two three zone, <laughs> and then, but then it, it it also shows an effect where because Bayheim is a famous overcoacher. So any time his point, you know, for the most part, there there are some guards who have come into the NBA who have had some success, but Ennis to me just looks like somebody who had his coach wanted to call, wanting to call plays every single time he comes down the court, and it's and it's it's just it's so tedious to watch because you have guys on the Lakers who are are pretty good in transition, and and I thought when Ennis came out there and tried to slow the game down, you know, for the tank, it was great, for, you know, because the Lakers kind of sort of needed to lose this game. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. But for, you know, for the purposes of actually winning and continuing to compete against a playoff team like the Wizards, he just completely killed any and all rhythm the Lakers had. Yeah, and I don't want to sit here and crap on Ennis for this whole show because he, we shouldn't expect him to play well. He, I mean, he was traded for Marcelo Huertas, and so you, you can't really think that that's going to be a guy that's a, that you expect to come in and be good and make a difference for the Lakers. And while he kind of saved the tank tonight, I, I, I mean, I just don't want to sit here and criticize him the whole show. The point guard that I thought was really good tonight, and I think anybody watching that game thought was really good tonight, was D'Angelo Russell. John Wall? And you mentioned, oh, no, oh sorry, sorry. Well, him too. <laughs> but you mentioned the pace thing, and it's interesting that you point that out with Ennis because Walton pointed that out with Russell for the opposite reasons, that he thought that the Lakers' pace was a little bit slow to start the game, and he talked to Russell and told him to kick it into gear, and he was really happy with the way that Russell started getting them moving down the court, and that was something that I noticed as I was watching the game too, is he was really pushing the pace. He was getting them up there in transition so they didn't have to run a lot of that half-court offense, and it helps when you make 95% of your shots in the third quarter, but uh, overall, I just thought the Lakers were really good for the most part until they blew that huge lead at controlling the tempo tonight 
Yeah, and and tempo is huge, especially for a young team. It's hard, to, especially at this point in an NBA season, because defenses have really settled down. They figured out rotations, and it's hard to score against defenses like that. And tonight, it really showed. It was it was really, you know, a tale of two tempos, right? It, you just it was so blatantly obvious what was being effective for the Lakers. And and yes, I don't want to come out here, and I did effectively shit on Tyler Ennis, but. What I was more interested in doing is pointing out how important tempo is for the rest of the Lakers moving forward. Yeah, and it's hard to get that tempo when you're not getting stopped. So I think the Wizards starting to hit shots made a big difference there that the Lakers weren't able to get out and push as much as they did in the first half just by virtue of when you're taking the ball out of the net, that's going to slow your offense down. Well, it's also but, it's also a chicken-egg thing, right? Because the Wizards started getting stops and it let them get out into transition a little that's bit true. too. You know, that's so. true, and that's something that D'Angelo Russell specifically cited after the game. They asked him what the Wizards were running differently or whatever in the second half, and I think he said something like they weren't running anything. They were just getting stops and getting out and in transition. Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty obvious what was going on there. Let's take a quick break and talk about SeatGeek here for a second. Uh, SeatGeek is, is a still the best application, the easiest and fastest way to buy tickets online. The mobile application is great. You don't have to print anything out. Uh, tonight, I you know I went to the game. I didn't wind up having to use SeatGeek, but uh, just being able to walk in there and scan your phone and let the, the the people working there scan your phone without having to worry about printers. Do you own a printer? Like, do you personally own a printer? I personally do not. My parents own one that I will use, and I will sometimes use one the newsrooms printer. But I do not personally own a printer. Yeah, I don't. I I haven't owned a printer since undergrad. So, you know, going paperless like SeatGeek has is, is pretty huge for this stuff. And then again, I always talk about the, the, the deal rater, uh, the deal score that they have on there. And, and yeah, that's my favorite. Those two things combined to make SeatGeek the easiest way to buy tickets online. And you guys already know what I'm going to talk about, the price alert. I like being able to say what I want to pay for a seat and have it being notified when the seat is available at that price because otherwise I may not want to buy it. We're all on a budget here, right? Or maybe that's just me as a blogger on a budget. But I, I, that's really convenient for me to be able to get an alert when seats are available at the price that I want to pay them for them. And again, make sure you're using the promo code LOLAKERS on SeatGeek to get $20 back from your first purchase using the application. Anywho, uh, let's get back to talking about this game, though. The tank rolled again tonight, and there were some people freaking out, and rightfully so. Phoenix, did you see the lineup that Phoenix fielded tonight? I did not. I knew it was without Booker, but I didn't see what lineup they actually ended up throwing out there. Because, uh, to be honest, I, I don't really know anyone on their team other than Booker that's still playing at this point. There was a Larry. There was a Curly. There there might have been a Mo. Like, it was just... Yeah, I, I can't confirm or deny rumors that they suited up the Washington Generals in, in their place. Not but... even the Generals. Like, they're bench warmers. It was so bad. That lineup was so bad. Let me see if I could find that really quick. Go ahead and... And talk about uh, the odds really quickly, just so, to catch people up, because it's been a while since we actually covered the importance of tanking here. 
Yes. So the Lakers right now are half a game ahead, of, ahead, quote unquote, of Phoenix in the tank race. They have the second worst record in the league at 21 and 53. Phoenix is 22 and 53. So they've played one more game than the Lakers and have one more win. And if the Lakers stay in that second worst record spot, then they have a 55.8% chance to keep their top three protected pick. If they fall the third, which is where Phoenix is right now, it's only a 46.9% chance. And Phoenix is basically an unstoppable adamantium lace tank right now. They they sat Bledsoe for the season. Ch- Tyson Chandler, I don't believe, is playing. They rested Booker tonight because apparently, I, I mean, I guess I see their point. After you score 70 points in a game, I don't know how much more evaluation they need to get done for the rest of the season. They're like, okay, Booker's good. We can look at other guys. But... It is people were making fun in in the national media. People were making fun of the Lakers for blatantly tanking over the last couple weeks. What Phoenix is doing right now is everything short of basically just like having their PA announcer announce like happily for the other team and get like and, you know, when Booker scores, be like Devin Booker. (laughs) Yeah, no, it would be. Yeah. Booker scores his 70th point. They're like, all right, well, that just happened. All right, here's the lineup. You ready for this? Uh, probably not. Tyler Ulis. I think it's his name. His name's Tyler. I think it's Ulis. Ulis. Uh, TJ Warren. Marquise Chris. Some dude named Derek Jones. Uh, and Alex Len. <laughs> Whoo, boy, that's bad. <laughs> that is... the, best, the best part of this, the best part of this to me, is that you know how like they always have you know like the best player in the middle of the lineup, you know, and, and it's like in the forefront of the picture yeah. and everything. Marquise Chris is in the forefront of this <laughs> this lineup. Like they they should have literally they should have had him stand literally side by side, or line him up or figure out a way so that nobody would be in the forefront of this picture because this is the worst lineup I may have ever seen. Since like the the you know the Lakers lineups that they were finishing the seasons with, the last couple of years. Yeah, that's that's really bad. That that calls to mind a couple of years ago when the Lakers started like Vander Blue <laughs> and you know like Jabari Brown and Jordan Clarkson in like some game in Sacramento uh-huh. towards the end of their season. I think Ryan Kelly might have started that game if I remember correctly. Yep. You know, probably Robert Sacre. Who knows? Probably maybe not, but. Mm-hmm. If, if spiritually it feels like he would have started in that game like I, I would it shock you at all to find out that the Suns were like you know Vivek has his four on five theory you know that that you don't have to play four guys on defense let somebody cherry pick and then just score automatically would it shock you to find out that the Suns were like we'll take that a step further we won't even have that fifth player play on offense either we'll just let that guy rest <laughs> and really get a head start on what it takes to to be ready for the next game. Yeah, hey, I mean, if teams can rest their star players, why can't they rest their playing players? Yeah, yeah, that's the next step. That's that is the next step. So, any the the, the big so, like thing they just here. put they they just put a chair at mid court and they have like T.J. Warren sit there for during parts of the game. So the, the last the last two shows that we've had, I talked about I, I talked pretty extensively about that Friday game where the Lakers beat the Wolves in overtime. Yeah. And I talked about it from the standpoint of, hey, it's fun to be a fan and root for that game and the right guys won it, so therefore there you go. 
the counterpoint to that is well these losses actually really mean something because the Lakers odds of go- of getting their keep- keeping their pick go down by what 20% is it is it that much to, uh, around 10% around 10% and uh when you're talking about something as important as this asset this top 3 pick could be then i kind of understand where the the i guess couch gms or the the laptop gms the twitter gms feel about this pick i i just i couldn't help it like even tonight at the game when the lakers i wasn't i i felt kind of distanced from the game where i wasn't really that you know perturbed or passionate about either way the 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 game would have turned out tonight but there was a guy in front of us who and I really feel bad for the guys who were two two rows ahead of us because anytime this guy would yell, he would like do this crouching thing so that he would be like in their ear when he was yelling. It would it would not have been a pretty picture if I was two rows ahead of where I was sitting tonight uh, and had that guy screaming in my ear. But I was watching that and I, I had kind of forgotten what it was like to just have unfiltered, unmitigated, like just just pure fandom without caring about any kind of of lottery odds or anything like that it's been quite some time since i watched a game like that but how did you feel while that while that friday game was going on the with the game against the wolves yeah i I mean i don't know how much i root for these outcomes as much anymore but I, i just think it's just Yes, they would. They won that game on the strength of their young players. And tonight against the Kings, they almost or against the Wizards, Wizards. excuse me, mm-hmm. they almost won that game on the strength of their young players. Like D'Angelo Russell was phenomenal mm-hmm. in the first half tonight. Like he he could not miss. He was on he was on fire. Jordan Clarkson was amazing in the third quarter as the Lakers were on that extended stretch where they hit their last fifteen shots of the quarter and went fifteen of sixteen in the period. I think mm-hmm. and. That's the kind of stuff where if you win on the on the backs of those guys, then you kind of have to throw your hands up because short of benching them, which I guess the Suns have put in play now, <laughs> yeah. I guess that's like acceptable in the NBA to like just bench your young players too if they're your best ones. But short of benching them, which isn't really good for the franchise long term, I don't think it's a terrible look. You know, there, there's yeah, it's a bad look, and there's there's really nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. If those guys are going off, you just kind of have to live with it. But at the same time, it does make a real difference in your lottery odds, and especially when you look at Phoenix's remaining schedule, which is they have the Clippers, Blazers, Rockets, Warriors, Thunder, Mavericks, and Kings. And so the Mavericks and Kings, like may, maybe you could say those are winnable games, but I don't see the Thunder, Warriors, Rockets, Blazers, or Clippers dropping a game to the Suns, especially with how much battling yeah, for playoff position. exactly yeah what's yeah. the what's and the so, lakers and remaining so the lakers schedule? have the lakers have so little margin for error with only that half game lead on the suns and their their remaining schedule is the wolves clippers grizzlies spurs kings and wolves again i would say that that's a much more win friendly schedule than the Suns have just because the Wolves yes they've played fairly well since the all-star break but as we've seen they are not uh some unstoppable juggernaut and the Lakers are more than capable of beating them and they play them twice and the oh excuse me the Lakers also play the Pelicans and Warriors in their last two games of the season 
Hmm. And the and, Warriors in their last game of the season when they may be resting guys. And and the Lakers are a better team, especially if the Suns are going to sit everybody the way they are. Yeah, uh, the Lakers that are a much also, better team. So yeah, that's also something. And so who knows about. if the Suns are going to continue to sit Booker? But it does kind of put in perspective how little margin for I guess I guess I shouldn't say error. How little margin for success the Lakers have <laughs> if they want to keep this pick. What a weird world we live in. <laughs> yeah, tanking's weird, man. Yeah. Uh, all right, so that does it for the tank discussion. There's it. Look, it, like you said, I don't think there's anything else that you can add other than sometimes the right guys win a game, and you kind of have to live with it, no matter how detrimental to the odds it might be. Uh, personally, I think it's important for the Lakers to win a couple games every so often just to continue to learn what it takes to win games. Uh, you know, even if it... I guess it's a, it's a lot easier to say that now, though. With you know, when in in a, in a month or so, I might you know go back, play this podcast back, and kick myself retroactively. Well, the thing that I tweeted in the first half of that game, when even uh, when even excuse sorry, when even uh, Tyler Ennis was playing well, was that the Lakers fans in a few months are going to be sitting there like, well. Tyler Ennis is kind of like a lottery pick if he's going to play that well. So I guess it doesn't really matter that we lost them. But like that's going to be trying to find the silver linings if this goes wrong. But Ennis ended up saving Lakers fans from that incredibly dark, dark timeline. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we are going to talk about, as Harrison pointed out before the show, uh, the last couple of shows have been kind of evergreen, kind of. Looking at the NBA in a broader scope, uh, I wanted to wait and to, to have a conversation about the, the Jim Bus and the Genie Bus and the entire Bus family situation uh, with Harrison. So we're going to get to that on the other side of this next break. Uh, but before we get to that, the Oakland Raiders are now the Las Vegas Raiders, and the NFL draft is also coming up. So if you have a favorite NFL team that you would like covered, in an audio format, the way we cover the Lakers here on Locked On Lakers, there's a Locked On NFL network, just to go, you know, just the same as the Locked On NBA network, and there are great shows up and down that roster. So make sure you guys are checking that out. They're on in the same places that you could find Locked On Lakers. Uh, Locked On Rams is especially good. Uh, we'll see how we'll see how the Rams draft goes, uh, even though they gave up a, a, an arm and a leg to get a, a bad quarterback. So enjoy that. We'll talk about the Jim Bus, Genie Bus situation here in a second. All right, so let's go ahead and and try to figure out everything that's gone on. Not everything, because it's I think it's impossible at this point to find out everything that's gone on in, in the bus family situation, the bus family dynamic. Uh, because we're never going to get Jim's side of the story. I think it's it, anybody who's hoping because at this point, I, I'm not clear that Jim Buss understands that reporters exist or that the media exists for him to talk to <laughs> because or that like he knows that there is media. Yeah. Like, I think I think at this point, it's it, it's not an unfair assumption to think he may not just he may just not be aware that there is all this being written about the Lakers and things like that. I kind of feel bad for the guy. I still can't help but feel bad for the guy. 
like it's a, it's the same kind of pity you have for somebody who like we all have that friend in college who just drinks way too much and like every party they they can't seem to help themselves because you know every party goes and at the end of every single party you're looking at that guy and you're saying god this poor guy i don't think he knows that there's another option other than getting so drunk that he just makes a complete fool of himself every single time. I'm not saying that Jim Buss has a drinking problem. I'm saying he has a media problem that, like, as I'm watching from afar, I can't help but feel like, God, I don't think this guy knows there's an alternative to being a complete imbecile when it comes to dealing with the media. In all of these stories, they say that they reach out to Jim Buss for comment and he passes on the opportunity. And yeah, I mean, I, I just think at this point, I just don't think he cares if, if people know his side of the story. And that's, but that's again though, that's kind of where I, I the pity kind of comes into effect here. Of because I think this guy, even if he doesn't care what people think about you know the job he's done or or think of him as a person, I do think his role with the Lakers was important to him. I. I just can't see a world in which I don't think he would have clung to power so hard if it wasn't. Yeah, and because he didn't need the job, he's getting paid no matter what. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, this isn't a Mitch Kupchak situation where he needed to continue to perform to keep a job to keep the paychecks coming. This is a, no, it was a, it was a pride thing. It was what his dad wanted him to do. He wanted him to run basketball side, and he wanted Jeannie to run the business side. And and. So because because I, I still believe that he cared enough about the job to want to do a good job, part of you know that gig is dealing with public perception. And he was so bad at it, and he continues to be so bad at it that I, I frankly, I mean part of it is because I'm I'm curious and be you know, the the ex quote unquote journalist that I used to be wants to know every single thing that I can possibly know about the situation because it is really interesting stuff like the tax documents, whatever, but the family dynamic and understanding what's going on behind the scenes and who is thinking and saying what to another person and the effect that it has on this entire multi-billion dollar entity is really interesting to me. And it's really too bad that we're never going to get that side of the story or we, we will and it'll probably be a pretty embittered version of the story, uh, but but we aren't going to get it for quite some time. And it's because this guy was so bad and continues to be so bad at understanding the importance of of public relations. Yeah, and I I, I agree with you. I think that we're going to get some exclusive one on one interview with Jim, but not us. But I think somebody is going to do an Jim, exclusive. If you're listening, one. yeah. I know although, I just equated hey, you to <laughs> yeah. You know, if you want to come on the show after all that, uh, you know, we'd love to have you if you want to air, air your side of the story out here. But anyway, I think at some point we're going to get Jim Buss's side of the story. It'll probably be in some one on one interview with like ESPN or something where he comes out and he says what he thought went on with the Lakers. But until then, we're kind of left to get the other side of the story which doesn't really paint him in a very positive light. And maybe he didn't deserve to be painted, painted in a positive light. I mean, it, by, Absolutely possible. Yeah, by any measure, he did not do a great job. Like the Lakers, as much, whatever you want to say about their drafting over the last couple of years, they, they've been a really horrible team. And that's why they've had those draft picks. And so some of that is on bad luck, but some of it is on Jim Buss. And so 
I would like to hear his side of the story, but I don't think that we're going to get that for some time. Number one, because of his kind of obvious disdain for the media. And number two, because now he is, as we kind of buried the lead here, but he's officially out of the Lakers. He is no longer a co-trustee. So I, I was wondering about this and I, and I, you know, I, from what I read, it doesn't affect him financially. He's still going to be able to, you know, collect whatever he was going to collect as a bus sibling. But yes. he no longer has any voice whatsoever with the Lakers. Yes, and the other siblings that, like, Janie Bus took his place. And the other siblings that still have their trustee spots had to sign an agreement saying that they would do whatever they had to do within their power to keep Janie Bus as governor of the team. Yeah, she's governor for life at this point. Yeah, so at this point, it looks like Jeannie Buss has well and truly seized power over the Lakers, which, whatever you may think about her, it's it's better for the Lakers that someone is in power, and it's clear who is making those final decisions, and there's not this cloud of uncertainty hovering over the franchise anymore. It's kind of funny that that this happened, or that we happen to be having this conversation right now because the episode I, i'm watch i'm watching west wing for the first time have you ever watched the the show no i have not well there's there's a spoiler alert for those who plan on watching it but there's a a portion of the show where the president steps away because his chief of staff uh has a heart attack and he you know both those you know loudest voices in the room step away and it leaves this entire vacuum this power vacuum at the very top and the people who are left behind uh because there is no clear you know leader in place they keep scrambling and and they they seem a step behind at every turn you know throughout this this one episode or this little stretch of episodes of of the west wing and i'm somebody who frankly I don't like the idea of owners in sports. Uh, I don't see their necessity at this point because so much of the money comes from TV deals and sponsorships anyways that the capital that owners put up I think is kind of negligible compared to what the leagues make off of these uh, sponsorship deals. But it's hard to argue against you know, what, what happened when Dr. Jerry Buss died, right? And left this vacuum power at the very top of an organization where, you know, when I say what's the purpose of an owner, you know, the the response is always either, well, they put up the capital or you need somebody with the final say so in these things. You need somebody at the very top who doesn't have anybody above them or anybody on their level to be able to make a final call. And in this case, with, with the bus family. You saw the effect of not having somebody at the very top of an organization that, you know, can't be questioned. Their final judgment can't be questioned. And, you know, maybe Jeannie is, well, you know, won't figure it out or maybe she will figure it out. But it's good to know now that in terms of, you know, the classic organization of a capitalistic entity like the Lakers are, uh, that that you are going to have something closer to the prototypical, the stereotypical business format, and there is going to be that loudest voice in the room who has final say over everything. Yeah, and I think that to some degree that's going to be comforting to these free agents that 
haven't exactly been flocking Lakers over the last couple of years. And I also think that for the like what made things even more awkward was that the team like it was very clear that Jim and Jeannie Buss didn't really like each other or they weren't getting along. It would have been one thing if Dr. Buss had passed away and he had left the team in like this harmonious state between two siblings that were best friends. But that just wasn't really the case at all. Mm-hmm. And it was very clear that they didn't like each other. There were varying reports of whether or not they were even speaking to each other. And that's just not a functional way for an organization to run. Yeah, it's a, it's almost, I mean, I, I talked about what was going on with the West Wing. At least then, the, the people who were working it, with that void of power were still willing to work together and talk to each other. With what was going on with the bus siblings seemed completely counterproductive. And... And that, to me, was the most frustrating aspect in reading about the whole situation was that, look, man, you have – I don't think it's a stretch at all to say that the Lakers are the most important entity in Southern California. I have no way to argue for or against that, but go. uh, point taken. What what I mean, though, is that like when the Lakers are really good, the city of L.A., is just it, it does it just does better. People want to go out and spend more money in and around the Staples Center. You have LA Live and you have all those businesses that are surrounding the city. As much as people want to say that LA became a Clippers town because the Clippers have had a few good seasons here, we've seen that their their effect on the city is is completely ne- negligible. It's impossible to note whether or not the, the Clippers are... No, I, th- I think there is active dislike for the Clippers or disdain for them I in would, much I would of the city. Agree. Yeah, I would, I, would, I, would, I would absolutely agree. And with what's going on here with the Lakers, it's funny. I left I left uh, the, the, the arena tonight, and we were going to... There's a, there's, a, there's a taco kind of bar that's on the other side of... I think it's Figueroa where we park my car usually and we go into there. I hate waiting it, you know, for parking uh parking lots to clear out. So we usually just go in there, we'll have a beer, and then we'll get in the car and then we'll we'll, we'll get out of there. We always drive safe. Make sure that's noted. But uh tonight we went there and that and that taco shop was closed. And then we went to Tom's Urban, uh which is right across the street in LA Live there and you know, there were people there who were and, – and the Lakers just lost or whatever. But even before, when when the Lakers were good and we would go to games out there and we'd hang out in downtown L.A., we would go to whichever bar that we felt like going to. And even if the Lakers lost, you would see people kind of excitedly talking to each other about what just happened in that game. And tonight it was just kind of like a whole pe- a whole bunch of people were kind of on their phone – uh, people, you know, if people were talking, if you walked by any, I went to the restroom, not a single conversation I walked by had anything to do with the Lakers. Uh, and, and not even that, you know, it wasn't about the Lakers in a positive light. It just wasn't about the Lakers. People were just figuring something else to talk about. They were all wearing their Lakers gear and nobody was interested at all in the game that they had just gone to. And that's not a very good sign. And and like, if you're Tom Zerbin, that's not very good for business. And when the Lakers are good, and this is why I think they're so important for the city, the downtown L.A. city, the greater downtown L.A. area, that kind of stuff matters. And, uh, you know, for the buses, for Jim and Jeannie Bus not to see that and be able to put aside their personal differences to be able to 
to benefit the entire city that they live in. I mean, frankly, that's about as disappointing a story as I think you're going to read about (laughs) regarding sports in any city, really. Yeah, and that's why I think that it's a positive, basically just that it's over. I mean, we don't know how the genie bus regime is going to fare, if it's going to be any better. We don't really know much of anything about Magic as a basketball, Magic Johnson as a basketball executive. We don't, we literally don't know anything about Rob Palenka as a basketball executive because he's never done it before. He's been an agent. Mm -hmm. And so that it could flame out spectacularly and that, that we have to allow for that possibility but there is something positive just in there no longer being this constant, is Jim Buss going to stay? Is he going to go? How many more years is he going to get? Are, are are him and Jeannie getting along? Why is Jeannie coming out and talking about how disappointing the team has been when they're starting to build some positive momentum on the court? And uh, like all of that kind of stuff, like all that drama and all that is just gone now. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty telling and... I'm always going to I'm not going to trust the last coach's uh sentiment as far as I can throw the last coach because he has, you know, he has a he has a dog in the race as to how he's looked back on because he's going to look to get a job at some point again in the NBA. But when he was saying that he wasn't talking to Genie because there was some kind of he felt like he would be being disloyal to Jim and or Mitch, like how is that going to be productive at all? Oh, I absolutely buy that. Oh yeah, no, I I buy it, but I I I also I also you know I, I I just don't see why he would be that much more loyal to to Jim or Mitch in that situation with Genie. Well, they were being... the ones that hired him, but it, yeah, yeah. I mean, your point is that it, it's not a good way for an organization to function, yeah. and I I think that we can both agree on that. Yeah, and and it's good that, like you said, it's good that it's over. Uh, they there was going to be another trial, I believe, in May. Right. Yeah, it was. I believe May sixteenth was the preliminary court date that they set, which is no longer happening. Yeah, it's it's all it's basically all behind the Lakers. Uh, Jim is out. He has no voice with the Lakers whatsoever. We'll see if he writes a tell-all book. We'll see if he wants to do any kind of exclusive interview about what was going on there. Uh, but at this point, moving forward, the Lakers, as a front office, as an organization, have a singular voice that they can get behind. And uh, let's just hope that Genie is the, the kind of voice that the Lakers need right now. Anything else that you wanted to talk about? Uh, did we miss any shade over the last No, I think, I think we covered all of the Lakers' topics over the last couple days. I would, I would tend to agree. Uh, we're going to, you know, what are there, eight games left, nine games left in the season? There are eight games left as of right now. Again, just like we've been saying since, since we've started this home stretch, Eight games to go here. We're gonna get through this uh, together. It's been a it's been an interesting season. Let's let's put it that way. And it's only gonna continue to get more interesting. One as this season wraps up, and two as we get into the off season and the lottery and the NBA draft and all that good stuff. So uh, make sure you're subscribed to the show on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, TuneIn, Stitcher, and today's Fast Break. Make sure you're using the promo code LOLAKERS on SeatGeek. Today's show is brought to you by SeatGeek. They've been great to us. Let's continue to be great to them. Uh, again, look back and, and find, you know, if you're a fan of an NFL team or if you want to check in on another NBA team, if you want to, you know, there's a Locked On Suns, I believe, right? So if you want to see what's going on there and see how their tank efforts are coming from their perspective, 
Uh, there's a Locked on Suns show as well. You can find that on all the same places you can find our show. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.